Good morning. How's everyone today? It's good to see you guys as always. It's family when we come together. And um, we are delaying our the conclusion of our series, Lost and Found. And many of you have, have loved that series. It's been really good uh, for a guest speaker that just sort of happened to be in town this, this weekend. And, and uh, we want to welcome him. His name is Dr. Lee Simmons. And we want to welcome he and Averill uh, today. Um, it's just an honor. He's a father here in this house, founder of this church, and um, we know that God's got some good things for us today. And so in just a couple minutes, he's going to come to the stage. I'm going to show a video in just a moment. Um, but he, uh, he is the one who talked me into leaving a secular job to coming into the ministry. Actually, it was God, and he confirmed it, you know? Uh, it was God that had been speaking to us, and then Dr. Lee met me at the Destiny Mall. It was Carousel at that time. And he said, I just feel like God's calling you to take this next step of coming on staff here as a youth pastor. And this was de- back in 2013. Excuse me. No, 2003. 2003. It was 13 years. I keep saying it was 13 years ago, but we're now on the verge of 14 years. Um, and God has been good over the years, and I just, I just respect and honor this man so much. He, he's a man of vision. Um, God has used him mightily. In fact, when he left this church, he, he didn't retire. He went and, and launched another ministry called Missio Global Ministries, and we're going to hear a little bit more about that. But when he comes to the stage, I want to make sure that we give him a warm Faith Chapel welcome. Again, we're going we're gonna to watch a short video, and then he's going to come to the stage.
Thank you. It is just absolutely awesome to be here today. We were not expecting to make a trip uh, this year to Syracuse, and was so privileged to ask, be asked to do the funeral for a dear, dear saint of the church for so many years, Mimi Patanzo. So we were here yesterday for that. Many of you were here as well. And so uh, to Gloria, to the family. I know you see you, Gloria. Wave at me. Where are you at? There you are. Should see you and your family. What a blessing. I've never been to a funeral of someone that age with that many people. And you know what? We are in the home territory church because we could say and do we want it. Worship, prayer, preaching. It was just, uh, just totally awesome. And I love, my wife's saying I just isn't right. Where's it at? Oh, there it is. I wonder it sounds so funny. Okay, we good? I'm left-handed. It's hard to do this on the right front. Jim, you should know you're left-handed. You should have this set up for this, right? Perfect, right? Is that okay now? All right. I love what you're doing here. This sanctuary is absolutely gorgeous. It just feels so cozy and warm with the changes made. I just love what I see here and uh, the, the walls, the colors, the windows, not having to gaze out and distract us. I just love. And children's wing, look going on the children's wing, seeing all the changes there. I just love it. The reception center moved out for uh, the coffee, but it's all absolutely fantastic. So I'm so excited of what's happening here. And interesting, I, I was standing here worshiping, and I kind of said to the Lord, I said, what's happening here? And he said, this is revitalization. This is revitalization. And uh, I never heard God speak to me that word specifically like that before, so I began to think about that. And, you know, a house after a while gets a little old, it gets a little tired, needs a revitalization, needs new paint, needs some fixtures to go, and something else to change on it, to be revitalized, to be, I, I think probably the etymology is to be renewed. And then I thought that word revitalization has the word revival in it. So when God moves and works, then we all need some personal revival uh, for change. So I am so blessed in the worship. My wife and I have now have been visiting tons of churches as we travel, almost a different church every Sunday, and just sense during your worship a wonderful presence of God. And then to end with the I Exalt Thee, when we are in a little building in Fairmont, uh, that was one of the songs that we just, just ushered in, a very special uh, presence of the Lord. So it's just so fitting that a young worship leader would end with an old song. How cool is that, huh? <laughs> so we're just so blessed uh, to be here uh, and be part of this. My wife and I moved to Syracuse, actually in a, in a December day, back in 1983. We moved here with four children, one just six months old, to assume the pastorate of an inner city church in Syracuse. We did our best serving there for five years and saw God do a lot of wonderful things in that local church. But the church had a government called congregational government, which meant every quarter there was a business meeting to decide everything. Where you get the next box of pencils from, it seemed like. At least a fight over the lawnmower. And uh, we saw God move and work, and the church grew, and a lot of people came to Christ, and it was just a wonderful uh, thing that was happening, but there was always these meetings resistance. And I remember having my leaders and sharing with them, we all came together with a plan after about five years of being in the church. Came together with a plan, presented to a congregational meeting, and there was such dissension, such disagreement, and it was voted down. 
And we've been struggling a long time with trying to lead change and, and lead into reaching that portion of the city for Christ. And I, I, that was a Wednesday night service. And that night, I, I left that service. I usually went to the back and with the, put my little cheesy smile on. And God bless you, hang, handshakes. And I went to my office, which was behind the sanctuary, closed the door, and my wife walked in. She said this. That's the final nail on the coffin, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. So what are you going to do? Pastoring a church here in Syracuse for five years. And I said, well, we were in Virginia. We loved it. I had got my master's from Liberty, which is now Liberty University. And I had great contact with professors there. I said, I'm going to call one of my old professors. Let's go back to Virginia. She said, great. But God. Within a week, we had three families come to us, knew nothing what was going on in our hearts, but they sensed it, said, we know you're leaving. Would you stay in Syracuse and plant a church? Now, that never entered our grid or any stretch of the imagination ever. I had no training in church planting, no desire to plant a church, no desire to start new. But when people come to you, you begin to pray, and we gave it a time of prayer, and the Lord said, yes, stay in Syracuse and plant a church. We have never, ever done that on our own, with nothing. I used to joke, we didn't start with a pencil. We didn't have a penny. We left salary, left everything with four kids in Christian school, and my wife just had a part-time drive, job driving a school bus for Liverpool. And that launched the church. It wasn't because of anything we did or any training we had or any plans that we had, but God chose to reveal to us through prayer, waiting and seeking him, his will. And so this morning, I want you to look with me at a small portion of scripture in a small book of scripture, the book of Habakkuk. When I was a kid, we called it Habakkuk. And I had a professor in Bible college who said, the way you remember is just think of tobacco and say Habakkuk. I had never forgotten that after 50 years or whatever. Uh, but that little book, and a few verses from it, in chapter 2, verse 2, this verse says, write down the revelation, make it plain, so that a herald may run with it. So we're speaking about running with the revelation. Now, revelation here, in the older translation, said vision. You know, knowing what God would have you to do, and then doing it. Being sure this is the will of God for your life, and then you move and you act in it. And I love this verse where it says, write it down, make it plain so that a herald may run with it. It's something you get from God, and once you get it from God, you run with us. Now, God always has a revelation for us or revelations for us. In other words, he wants us to live our lives in such a way that we hear from him, that we know his will, and we move and work in the will of God. So we say, what is it? What are the revelations you have in my life? And because when we do that, it transforms our lives. Knowing that you hear from God, like we did about planting this church and many years through this church, when you know about that, it is transformative. And so the quote I have here under God's revelation for us is this. God desires and delights in revealing his direction for our lives. Passionately pursuing God's revelation will transform our lives from the mundane to the exhilarating. Is your life mundane? Is it just you 
day after day, decision after decision. Uh, I think I'll go here and do this. When you are in the will of God and you hear from God, there's an exhilaration. Uh, we had a young man grow up in this church by the name of Bruce Wood. Remember Bruce? He was in your youth group. And uh, Bruce's parents went through some difficult situations, but he came out amazingly great. Uh, he emailed me recently, or Facebooked me something, from California, where he's a youth pastor. And he said, he said, I quote you all the time. <laughs> well, that's great. And he said, aren't you the one that say that, that life in the spirit is like being strapped to an F-16? And, and I said, yeah, that was me. He said, good, I'm glad I'm quoting the right person. But I thought, it, that's it. There's this exhilaration in the will of God, when you hear from God, and this isn't just for people that are, are leaders and pastors, it's for everyone to say, I've heard from God, and I know what God wants me to do my, for my family, for my job, for my finances, for the next step in my life, relationships, I know I've heard from God. Now, this book of Habakkuk is a very interesting, a very interesting little book. Habakkuk is a prophet. It's one of these minor prophets tucked in the Old Testament. Uh, and if you use electronic devices, it's easier to find, you know. Uh, your cell phone, your iPad, whatever you have. But, but the book opens with this dialogue. Now, Habakkuk is asking God questions. He's communicating with him. And he begins asking these questions. He doesn't understand. And really, he's very upset. Habakkuk is very upset and he begins asking God what I call the prophet's problem is asking these, these why questions. You see, he sees sin rampant among God's people and he's righteous and he said, God, you need to judge your people. So he asks these questions in, in uh, chapter 1, verse 3. He says this. He says, God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? And so then he says in verse 113, oh, by the way, God answers and said, oh, Habakkuk, guess what? Don't worry. I'm judging it. I'm judging it right now. In fact, I'm raising up the Babylonians who are more wicked and more evil than Israel. And Habakkuk said, what? Why? And so a second time in verse 13, he says, why then do you tolerate the treacherousness? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the more righteous? So he's saying, well, as evil as our people are, God, they're worse, and they're going to swallow us up? God, what are you doing? Now, the point is this, is that he is here asking why questions to God. Now, the fact is that asking why questions to God never really gives us adequate answers. So, when we ask why questions, the problem is this. Focusing on life's present insurmountable and unsolvable problems will consume us and frustrate us to the point of despair. My wife and I flew up here from Florida. Uh, we came through Orlando. We were at the airport, waiting in the airport. And my wife started to have a conversation with a lady that was there. And it got very deep. Uh, the lady began to tell us that her 29-year-old daughter had, was stricken with cancer and had, had died about a year before that. Her son, he told us about married a woman from another culture, and uh, the woman from this other culture uh, kept her son from seeing, the, the, seeing them, seeing her son, seeing her grandchild. Uh, and it just completely, completely, she was just so broken. And, you know, God, why does this happen? Why do I lose a child? 
Why do I go through this? And many times we ask God those questions. There's never a good answer. One time I was at a funeral uh, of, a, I think it was a teenage girl that had tragically been killed. And I'll never forget the minister saying this. Trying to give an answer to why. He said, well, the reason that God took her was that God has a beautiful garden. He needed to pick a flower from here and put it in his garden. And I wanted to stand up in church and scream, no, no, that's not what God does. We trust him, but we do not have the answers. So our problem is we have why, 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 and we don't have adequate answers. I'd like to say this. I don't know. I can't tell you why. But I trust God and I believe God. I don't know the answer. And so Habakkuk in chapter 1 He's full of these why questions to God. He's really, his dialogue is quite interesting because he's really questioning God and asking why questions. And then finally he shuts up. And, which sometimes is not an easy thing to do, is that right? So what we need to do is not ask what questions, but why questions. I'm sorry, not, we need for what questions and not why questions. We spend far too much time asking why and not enough time asking what. So chapter one ends. This is a, fa- a fantastic book. You'll love it. Just three little short, short chapters. And, uh, and chapter one ends. And now Habakkuk finally says, you know what? I better hear from God. I better shut my mouth. I better just be quiet and see what the word of the Lord is for me. And so he says this in chapter two, verse one. And we'll focus on these three verses here about getting God's revelation. He says, I will stand at my watch. I will look to see what he will say to me. So I say, saying, why God? I say, God, I want to look to see what God is going to say to me. So that's the place we should be. God, what is it your will for my life? What do I do about this situation? What do you want to say to me? Not why is this happening, but what do you want from me? So we need to be spending that time, not on why questions, but what questions. So continuing on in that same verse, I want you to look with me at four different aspects of having God's revelation, his revealing, his unveiling, so we can have this exhilarating life of saying, man, I am just strapped to that F-16 and, you know, having the time of my life directed with God. So again in verse 1, he says this, the first aspect is we have to wait. Revelation. Now, that's always a difficult word for me, to wait. I'm sure that shocks those of you that know me. I'm the the kind of guy that's uh, ready, fire, aim. We'll work on getting it there after we pull the trigger, you know. So again, he says in chapter 2, verse 1, as he waits, I will stand at my watch, and I will look to see what he will say to me. Now, the original word is this watchtower where a person would look uh, over the city, and examine and be there to protect and so forth. He's watching, he's looking. And Habakkuk is saying, this is my place of prayer. I'm going to go on my watch. I'm going to wait. He has this, uh, he pours his heart out to God. He questions God. Why, why, why? Finally, he says, you know what? I think he got wise as up. Which is a good word for us, right? Uh, The Bible says to wait upon the Lord, to be still before him. So the first part about hearing from God is a waiting upon God. 
Now, I could tell you stories about this church where God spoke to us and we obeyed, and I could tell you where we really failed as well. So all these stories are not all about, you've done everything right. Not at all. But one of the things that God showed us about waiting upon God was the building of this first phase, which is the sanctuary and the education wing. The atrium was later. Now, when we were in the process of, of this building, we had purchased this land. We owed money on this land. That's another story. Uh, we owned this land. We were looking to, to build upon this land. And we were in Fairmont, Avenue, I think it was, in Fairmont. And we were going to build here. And we had to borrow money. The only way I ever knew to build a church was to borrow money. I never heard anybody doing anything but that, to borrow money and build. We found someone who would do prefab churches, you know, put the boxes up, and could do it to fit our, I think it was about $700,000 at the time. This is back in, what, 1996 or something, five or six? Three quarters of a million dollars. And we couldn't find any bank that would loan us the money because we weren't that old to do it. But I found this company would do these the bonds and we could do it. And we maximized out exactly at $750,000. We could borrow and we could get it all built for $750,000. So to me, this was a slam dunk. It was a win-win situation. We'd have a big mortgage for a long time, uh, but we certainly would do it as with, we're, we fired first and then find that bullet there. And I never forget the meeting. I, I'm David May, I think you were at that meeting. John Wicks, I think you were there. I don't know who else I can see that was here. But um, I presented. We combined our elders and deacons together for this meeting to be our building committee. And I said, guys, you know, here's, the, here's what I see, you know. And I, I was fully expected to walk away. In fact, I had a guy that was from, from this prefab church company that was ready for my phone call the next day. And the bond company was ready for a call the next day because I was ready to launch this thing and get it going. Let's, with three or four months, we'll be in. We'll have our building here in this property. And as we talked that night, I think Pastor Ron, Ron Silver was there as well, too, at that meeting. Uh, he was here yesterday at the funeral. And um, I, as we talked, there was some resistance to this idea. And, of course, we all love that, right? I said, hey, this is it. It's a perfect match. And... As we began to discuss this further, I remember a guy by the name of David Smith said, you know, God's been speaking about sacrifice. We need to learn how to sacrifice first. How many just say, yes, sacrifice God. I'm all in, right? Let's go for it. Let's sacrifice for, 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 for God. And out of that meeting, there was not agreement. And we wanted 100% agreement in that meeting. I went home and we said, well, we're gonna, let's call a day of prayer and fasting for the church. I went home so discouraged and upset because I wanted to see this built so badly, and I could see it happening. But we took a, we set a day for prayer and fasting. I'll never forget it. I forget the time of the year it was. And we came together at that particular service, seeking God. What do you want, God? Do we borrow money? Do we build or not build? Do we stay here and add a fourth service? What do we do? How do we do this? And the first thing that came out of that, that prayer meeting and hearing the word of God was that we need to learn how to sacrifice. So I started, I preached seven weeks on sacrifice. And people stayed. Sacrificial giving. We had a sacrificial Sunday for an offering. I think there were about 100 people in the church and they gave cash offering that day, I think it was $42,000. They pledged another $100,000 for the next year. We prayed again and God spoke to us. We had another meeting and God said, build without borrowing, having God's people do the work. And I just couldn't imagine that. And then God raised up Brother John Wicks there and said, I, I will lead this. I'll sacrifice myself and I'll, I'll be the construction manager. And we launched out. And in 20 months, 
God did miracles. By the way, I can't walk around this building without looking at every place I shed my blood or I did something. <laughs> if you ever climb up through the rafters, you'll notice on the rafters where I wrote in, in blood, you know, this is Lee Simmons' blood and I dated it. So you ever see that? I wasn't killed there. I just was making a memory up on the rafter. But God's revelation was so different than what I wanted that I thought was sure. And so... We were able to wait. We took time. We prayed. We fasted. We sought God. So when you're waiting on the revelation, you wait until you hear from God. Take the time to do that. So there's a waiting on the revelation. After there's a waiting revelation, there's a proclamation of that revelation. We have to let it be known. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 2 says, Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tables so that the herald may run with it. Now, this was the idea then. This was social media of the day. Uh, you know, have, a, have a clay tablet, cuneiform write upon it, and then send out over the whole empire. So that was kind of their, their, their Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Get it out everywhere, right? So we write down the revelation, make a plan. So the idea is this, is when God reveals something to you, you proclaim by faith what God tells you to do. And I love this little quote. Making our vision public is the fire that will burn our bridges. When you proclaim, this is how God's directing me. Now, proclaim things. And second of all, it's a confirmation from good godly people that we are indeed in the will of God. When this church, was, when we built this building, when it was 10 years old, and I was turning, I think, 50 at the time. The church was 10 years old. And we built this building. I said, oh, God, I don't want us to be settlers. I'm afraid we get this beautiful building. People will get comfortable, you know, and they'll just want to have church and not God. <laughs> you know, just enjoy all of our labors here. And I was praying and praying and said, God, give, give, me, give me the word for the, for, for the church. I, was wanting, I, I, I wasn't expecting what I heard. And those that know this story know that God gave me a number was one million. And I thought, well, we just raised the money for this building, which was a half a million by doing it ourselves. I guess the next building is a million dollars I have to raise. And the Lord, of course, made it clear that it was a million souls for Christ. I thought, Lord, a million souls for Christ. If we have a good year of people that really, truly get converted, or they get really changed. Oh, so glad about the baptism next week. That is always exciting. People really get, it's a good year, you know. I, we need a millennium to, to, to get this job done. And uh, I just kept it in my heart. I said, I can't, you know, it's, the church thinks I'm crazy. But this will put it over the edge. <laughs> if I ever tell the church that we're supposed to reach a million souls for Christ, that's what God said. They'll be plucking the chickens and boiling the tar <laughs> during the service. <laughs> and so, but one Sunday, you know, if you, if you preach... Sometimes you say things you don't intend to say. And in, in the moment of all, I said, and one day I said here, and besides that, God said our mission is to reach one million souls for Christ. As the word slipped out of my mouth, I thought, you idiot. <laughs> what are you saying? And uh, I, I wanted to leave church as quickly as possible that day. <laughs> I wanted one of those superheroes' ability to become invisible. You know, it's kind of sleek out because I thought they're going to think I'm crazier yet. And Alice Sewell, dear saint of God, uh, met me at the aisle. She said, Pastor, 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 I believe God with you for that vision. I'm going to pray with you for that vision. And it was all I needed to hear. 
was a confirmation of that. And of course, God took that vision into Missio. We're planning schools around the world. Uh, God's done amazing things uh, with multiplication in Brazil, in Ukraine, in Kenya, Tanzania, in Turkey, in five different languages, all part of multiplication to reach this million souls for Christ. So you proclaim it. Uh, It's that step of faith that you speak it with your words and speak it forth. So there's a waiting for it. There's a proclamation of it. And then we get to this word running with it. We run with the revelation. This is the easy part for me, right? Go. Uh, uh, Chapter 2, verse 2. Write down the revelation and make it plain on tables so that the herald may run with it. We say running with the revelation keeps distractions and discouragement from stopping us. If you're in a a track race and you know that your goal is that finish line, it keeps all of those distractions away from you. Uh, When God told me, it was nine years ago, January 1st, that the church was transitioned to the Tuttles. I'm so blessed by you guys, what you've done. Just awesome. I I just love when my spiritual kids do well. You know, and and I'm just so blessed and uh, and proud of you guys. Um, Serve the Lord with, they serve with such integrity and love for God and wanting all that God has for the congregation. We've been in many churches, I've said, and I've just watched, I've watched shows, but didn't see God. And so good to see it with you guys and the leaders in the congregation that's here. When God told me to launch Missio Global to, to step down from the church here, and, and, and turn it over to the Tuttles. That's all another long story. I said, God, if you want me to multiply schools around the world, and by the way, I'm so glad you started school again here. What do you call it? Impact, Impact School of Ministry. So exciting that when we started in 2002, when you were our, from our first class, it's now being revitalized. <laughs> Revitalization, what you've done here and you're doing in the various ministries of the church. And... and so the Lord said, you know, take this around the world. And so every place I knew people, I, I went to. Trusted God for the finances. And I went to Japan. We thought we'd start schools there. No. Went to Korea. Thought so. No. Uh, went to India. Had promise of starting schools. No. Uh, went all over the country of Tanzania. Went to pastor's meetings for two years in all various modes of transportation and hospitality, which were not necessarily the best. And saw... You know, we thought were opportunities weren't, but then schools in Brazil through the Daltons are doing fantastic, adding new schools. Ukraine has reopened up for us. We were just there. We have our material for Iranian believers in Farsi, another, so many miracles uh, through the Chalices. And so, you know, I just ran. I said, God, if you want me to go around the world, I'll go around the world. I'm just, by the way, since we launched Missio, I'm with, I don't know, couple hundred thousand miles of hitting one million miles of travel. I, I look at my statement, and that's just one airline, 960,000 miles of travel. Uh, that's, that's not like running with Revelation. That's flying with Revelation. Uh, but once you get it, it just, it just energizes you. It recharges you uh, to do all of that. Next thing he says is to believe the Revelation. Believe it. People think you're crazy. Uh, Revelation, uh, Habakkuk 2, 3a. For the revelation will not prove false. It will certainly come. I love this verse from Hebrews eleven six. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance 
of what we do not see. We say, God, you gave it. I believe it. And I have to stand with it. When God told us here, build this first phase without borrowing. Now, I need to say, I'm not opposed to churches borrowing money. I, I, we borrow money as, uh, ourselves. What, I, what, what it was was God told us for that phase at that time to do that. And God's will directs differently over time. Maybe someday, well, God will have you borrow $10 million. And I would stand with that if that's what God had to say. Not, he didn't say for the rest of the life of this church. But anyway, so we started out with $100,000. We paid off the land, which I think was $60,000, $70,000. Oh, with, we paid off the land with that um, initial offering, so we were debt-free. I think we had about $100,000 to start. We put up this frame. We ran out of money. And uh, we had a whole lot more to do. And people come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, um, are we going to borrow money now? You know, we're all out of money. We're gonna borrow, no, we're not going to borrow money now. We're going to pray and fast. Uh, people walked in with large checks. One day in my office walked in $50,000 through two checks through one person. A church sent another $10,000 when we were ready to shut it down because we had faith to believe God would provide that way. And then people come to me. It was like, and they say, well, what if we only, what if we only need $100,000? No. What if we only need $10,000? No. We were not going to, when we were ready to move in, these chair, we didn't have these chairs, didn't have the money. We were totally out of money. We were ready to get borrow folding chairs, put them in here, and someone gave the cash and the retirement checks that I want to do something. I think it was like $18,000, $16,000 uh, to do all of that. But people were kept, they'll push you on the revelation. Well, maybe you didn't hear from God. What if this? What if that? What if that? No, I know this is what he said. I know he gave this vision to take these schools around the world. I know that's of him. And you have to just stand by faith. Faith opens up amazing doors. We say, I don't know how, God, you're going to do this, but I trust you. So you believe the revelation. And then here's more waiting. You wait for the fulfillment of the revelation. Again, chapter 2, verse 3. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Now, that's God's perspective of delay. Remember, when God says something's happening soon, it could be a long way off. God does not operate in the parameters of our time and our space, but we wait for it. Because God said it. And it could be a long period of time. But we, Abraham, how long did he wait for an heir? Right? He even went out of God's will to try to, to do things God's way, which always messes things up. And for a long period of time, sometimes. Now, I'll never forget that I heard a speaker years ago with my wife said, oftentimes when God gives a vision or revelation, there are certain stages of it. And I call these the usual stages of God's revelations, more than one. That is, there's a birth of a revelation. God gives it to you. It dies. It seems impossible. Abraham, your body is beyond time. Your wife is beyond time to have children. But there's a resurrection of that revelation, fulfillment of it. It actually happened with this property. Uh, when we were meeting at Faith Heritage School, and we were looking for a piece of land to buy, this was available. had a large metal building up by the corner where that little flat property is. We said, we could turn that into a church. Wouldn't that be pretty? And, uh, you know, we, we figured that out. We said, we could sell some lots of... Anyway, I think the, only the numbers I remember is $200,000. I think we offered one hundred fifty, and that was a big stretch of faith. I think they counted at one seventy-five. I remember... And we said, we walked away. We then bought that little building uh, in Fairmont on Gillespie Avenue. We were there and the Holy Spirit came. We had three services. We had 
Hundreds of people in, the, on those, in those three services come in. The Lord said, well, it's time to, time to look again. So I said to uh, an agent, I said, find me every piece of land within, within, I don't know, I said five, seven miles of here. Forgot completely about this piece of property here. It was like five years later, maybe. And this is one of the pieces of property that was still for sale. But it was no longer for 200000 175000 It was much less. And finally, we settled, I think, on about $115,000 for 79 acres of land. There was a birth. We, this is the property. This is the perfect place for us. We actually had a contract on another piece of property at the corner of Howlett, Howlett Hill and... No, it's this road over here. Harris Road. How, Howard, Howard and Harris... Across from the, the, the Luma Cemetery, whatever they call that now. Uh, anyway, um, we had a piece of property there and that fell through. But God was reserving this for us. And you see the result. 79 acres of land. I can't imagine. I know that we're sitting on now multi-million dollars of property that God has done. And so there's, there's just... Uh, sometimes it dies. Sometimes you don't see what's going to happen there. But you just move on. And so what we find is that we have this transformation with revelations from God. It changes us. You see, when you have a revelation from God, you don't worry about the past because you're so busy running with revelation. There's this new passion that you have for life. There's renewed strength. And when you're so busy with running in the revelation, where it's criticism and judgment, we're part of that, what God is doing. So what I find exciting is when God reveals his will and we obey. When God reveals his will and we obey. Here's my quote. God desires and delights in revealing his will for our lives. Passionately pursuing a God-given revelation will transform our lives from the mundane to the exhilarating. Uh, I want to live my life saying, God, what is it? Whatever it is, what's the next step in my life? What do you want me to do? I want to hear from you. Uh, And the history of this church has been saying, God, what is it? What do you have to say? We want to hear what you want to say. We want to walk that way. And it's it's one of the most exciting lives for us personally, as well as for ministry rise as we're doing. God's doing this again, by the way. You know, when I was pastor here, I said, I'm I'm not prophesying today. I want to die preaching this pulpit. (laughs) Not now, Lord. (laughs) And just drag me out of the prayer garden, dig a hole, throw me in, I'll be a happy guy. I really never expected to leave Faith Chapel. And of course... Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, God, God had other plans for me when he launched Missio for the last nine years, beginning our 10th year uh, in December. I've been going to Tanzania for, for 20 years. And a couple of years ago, I was there in the building that our church built, the little guest room in the classroom I use as I go there to teach. And I said to uh, my director, I need a day of prayer. So I went to a little hotel in this little town of Moshi, and prayed, and God began to speak to me about the next step for me. As he told me to raise up the Tuttles, he said, you need to raise up someone to take over Missio Global Ministry. And he laid in my heart, it was Scott and Sherry Dalton, Faith Chapel members, missionaries to Brazil. And for two years, I have been training them just for that purpose and that reason. And, you know, I said, Lord, I, I, I never, I never, I want to do ministry the rest of my life. I don't want to retire. If I'm not going to do Missio someday, then what am I going to do? And he said this very clearly. It's family ministry. 
that your last phase of ministry is family ministry. And you know, I robbed my family by planting this church. I did far too much, too long, not days off, not time to rest, not time to relax, just, again, going a million miles an hour. And I said, you know what? God said, you need to give back to your family. And so the Lord is showing me how to minister to my family. Uh, We have a plan with the Daltons that you'll hear about, but... You know, and I have two more years to, to be with Missio. I'm working that, but I'm raising up Scott and Sherry in two years to replace, uh, replace me uh, as directors. They're right now, we've just announced their... What did I say? They're replacing you. Ah. They'll take the ministry to a new level. And uh, uh, we're excited about this next transformation of Missio. Over the next two years... Uh, we're working through this transition, and the Dons will be taking over. God willing, this is so far what we believe his plans are. Our board's already approved this. And that God's saying, your last phase is family ministry. So we moved by a lake. We moved up in the mountains, so my grandkids have memories. We're spending more time with them. Uh, I just lost a nephew, many of you know, and I'm now helping my sister. And all of a sudden, God's opening up family ministry doors. And so he's saying, you know what? Your last ministry is family ministry. So we're in a transition process for, for the church, Faith Chapel, for all of you donors. We want you to continue because Missio is Missio. It's not Lee Simmons. So would you please be part and stay part of Missio? The Dons are a big transition. They'll be in Brazil three or four months a year. They'll be coming here, uh, coming back to U.S. for more time as we make this transition. But... I never planned to leave here. I never planned to have what ha- you know to transition missio like this. But you know what? When God speaks, uh, you obey. So God's already opened up. I wish I could tell all the stories of amazing doors, but not able to. But the exhilarating life, the exciting life, is not one that we control, but one where we just say, "God, I'm going to wait. What you have to say, reveal to me." You know, I'll proclaim it from the mountaintops. I'm going to run with this thing. I'll wait for this thing. I'll believe this thing, God, and live this life that you really want me to live. Now, it all begins with personal faith in Jesus Christ. I'm sure many of you here, if not all of you, profess faith in Christ, but maybe someone is here. Uh, Professing faith in Christ is inviting the resurrected Christ in our life to change us and make us brand new. And if you've never had that personal invitation of inviting Christ into your life, you can do it now. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Confess it before God and invite him to come in. Uh, and he will change your life and give you a reason and purpose to live. Would you bow your heads and pray with me right now? Father, I thank you for this church, for what you're doing here, this revitalization this, and renewal and, and, tra- and what you're doing through the work of the Holy Spirit, God, we're just excited about it. But I pray for every individual here that perhaps there's one or two or more here today have never received you. I just want to pause my prayer and speak to you that if you've never received Christ, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. As I pray aloud, you can pray in your heart to have your life transformed. And here's the prayer if this is your prayer. Dear God, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Change me. I invite Christ into my life. I believe he died on the cross for me. I want to live for him. May my life never be the same again. I pray in your name. Amen. Amen.
If you've prayed that prayer, let one of the leaders know or let my wife and I know uh, that you can begin your transformation with Christ. Pastor Jim. Amen. What an amazing, amazing message. This is something that we could all run with, right? I mean, really, it's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And God is a God who speaks. Amen? God is a God who's on the move. God is a God who has dreams and visions and plans for every one of our lives. And he wants to reveal them to us. Um, We're going to close our service. I want to invite the ministry team to come up. At the end of every service, there'll be people here that would love to pray for you for whatever need you came in with. And we're believing God with you to see um, a breakthrough in your life. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want to just pray with you as we dismiss today. But this is something we can run with in life. Amen. We need to spend time with God. We need to hear God's plan for our lives. And then we need to ask him how. How do we run with this? We have to have the faith to believe him and see God do great things. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, today we give you the praise. We honor you and love you, God. We just declare declare that you're good, Lord. You're really good to us, God. And so today, Father, Lord, let this uh, let this message, this challenge sink deep within our spirits, Lord. Lord, we want to be used by you. We want to run an amazing race. We want to say at the end, God, uh, Lord God, that, that we, we did our best. We gave it our best shot. We heard from you. We ran with what you gave us, God. And so we just give you thanks now. I pray that you surround us with people, God. Surround us with people that, that will run alongside of us, Lord, this amazing race. We give you praise. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Enjoy coffee out in the atrium.